Hello, hello. Welcome to episode four of Being a Whole Person with Ambie Kavanaugh. This is Lexi, and this episode is near and dear to my heart because Ambie has been a mentor of mine for about a year. If you don't know who she is, Ambie is an astrologer and spiritual teacher. You'll hear how she went from a lawyer in England to an astrologer in LA. I absolutely love her approach to self-care, which at the basis is very much about getting in tune with yourself. Also, you'll hear all about how business and spirituality are closely entwined for Ambie. As a small note, Rebecca is here in the conversation, but she won't be heard until around minute 26. Honestly, though, this episode is full of genuine wisdom from Ambie, and I am so humbled that she felt called to share her far-reaching knowledge on our podcast. Without further delay, here is Ambie Cavanaugh. You're listening to the Being a Whole Person podcast. I'm Rebecca Haas, a pianist, composer, and creative wellness coach. And I'm Lexi Rollet, the astrologer behind Alexandria Astrology. And this is a podcast all about creative entrepreneurship, self-care, and spirituality, and how they blend in our lives. Lexi and I are having honest conversations with a variety of other creative entrepreneurs to show the whole story of what it's like to be a business owner, not just the Instagrammable version. By digging into the real experiences of being a creative entrepreneur, we explore how it is possible to blend our career with our life and feel like a whole person. Welcome to the Being a Whole Person podcast. Hello, Ambie. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks so much for having me, Lexi and Thank Rebecca. You. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Can you tell us a little bit in your own words about what you do and how you got to where you are? Oh gosh, where to start? So, you know, it's funny because I have so many different titles. Um, and just because I trained in so many different modalities over the years as I transitioned out of being a lawyer and into being a life coach, then Reiki master, astrologer, sound healer, teacher, mentor, guide. Um, and I guess, you know, that's what birthed, the entire journey is what birthed alchemy with Ambi. I like to think of myself as, without sounding too trite, as a modern day alchemist, as someone who helps people to create change in their lives and who acts as a catalyst for that change. And it's taken these, you know, different forms of healing people physically hands-on through Reiki sessions or sound baths or teaching people astrology or doing readings on them or training people to be, become Reiki masters themselves, coaching and mentoring people. And then it birthed my podcast, which is Alchemy with Ambi, which was really birthed because I wanted to help more people than I was able to one-to-one. -one. And I found that this was a really good modality for me and tool to do that. So I guess I'm kind of modern day alchemist. And like <laughs> I said, I, I was a lawyer. I was a litigator for years. So it's been a really interesting journey of self-employment and self-discovery. Yeah. So that's one of the things that kind of drew me to you. Um, and just a little background on our history. I actually studied with you for astrology. You did. Yes. And it was such a wonderful time in my life. Like, as you know, so yeah, many things. No, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. So many changes came about in our work together and just like in my life and like we keep talking about with other people on the podcast is that once you start on the track that you're supposed to be on the universe starts like throwing everything else out <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah and I feel like that really happened when I was working with you um yeah but I, one of the things that really gravitated me to you was the, the fact that your history is so different than what you're doing now. Like you were a lawyer. That's so, oh, so different. So, so different. So right? different. Uh-huh. Yeah. Can you um, speak about kind of like 
how that that change came about. Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting because no one forced me to become a lawyer, right? It was really bizarre. At 10 years old, my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, who was a very famous lawyer in Sri Lanka, which is where my family originate from, he passed away. And the night that he passed away, I had this really crazy dream where he came into my room, he appeared in like a kind of vision and said, you're going to become a lawyer and there's a specific job you have to do as a lawyer and you're going to do really well on this path, like you need to go on this path. And I woke up the next morning and I informed everyone that I was going to become a lawyer and obviously there was a lot of tears because my grandfather had passed away overnight and I didn't know that, you know, this was pre-mobile phones and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, I, I made that decision. I went on the path to becoming a lawyer and I became a lawyer. And then I found that even though I'm so grateful for the path that I went on, you know, a few years in, I realized that being, being a litigator, I, I, you know, represented people in high profile court cases and just the nature of that work didn't really fit with who I really am. It was very combative. It was very, you know, aggressive in many ways. You're fighting with people, right? And yes, sometimes you're fighting with people for someone's rights to protect their privacy or to protect their reputation, et cetera, et cetera. But it was very much in the media and entertainment and celebrity world. And just everything about it started to feel off and unaligned. But I didn't know then that what my true path was. So being the kind of person that I, I am and was, I jumped from being in private practice to working for one of my clients, heading up his um, production office as vice president of business and legal. And this was sort of just before my Saturn return. So super interesting, you know, Saturn return time. And then during that Saturn return, I realized I didn't want to work for him either because it was, again, it was very much this world of Hollywood and high, you know, very glamorous on the outside, but kind of kind of not that nice on the inside and just didn't feel aligned. So at this point, all I knew was that working for other people wasn't for me, but I still didn't know what was truly for me. So I thought, okay, how about I become self-employed? I become autonomous. I become my own boss and then everything's going to feel good and I'm going to feel right and everything's going to be great. And I jumped into the path of becoming self-employed. My former boss became my first client. And again, I was still doing law. I was not practicing per se as a lawyer, but I was offering legal consultancy services. And I started going on television. I became a legal expert, an on-air expert in the UK, and even did some things in America. And again, you know, a few years into this, I thought that that was the answer. Being self-employed was the answer. And I still felt this hole within myself of just like this emptiness and this disconnection and this dissatisfaction that didn't matter how much money I was making or the fact that I was, you know, blessed enough to be able to buy property in the UK, et cetera, et cetera. I just still didn't feel right. And that's when I, you know, my brother and I am very, very close to my family. And my big brother sort of said, I was talking, I was going on a very much a big self-development, personal, spiritual path myself at the time, which coincided with a breakup. And my brother said to me, you know, why don't you go and do a course or something? You know, you seem to be so interested in all this. I'll gift it to you. And he gifted me this life coaching course. And I went and did that. And that was what started the journey of really being, you know, I wanted to help people. I didn't want to do deals or just make money for the sake of money. Not that there's anything wrong with making money. We're all self-employed. We need to make money. But I wanted to do something that felt more like I was, for, you know, however cheesy it might sound, I was raising the vibration of our world. I was actually doing something of service. And yet again, I still went through this weird transition where I was kind of holding on to the legal side of my career, life coaching and doing half and half. And then life kind of fell apart and um, I was forced to make the transition fully. And I have never looked back. And it's been a real journey. I've been self-employed for gosh, 13 years now. And it's not an easy path. And you know, I've made probably every single mistake in the book, I will be honest, but I'm so happy with what I've created now. And it's in such flow. And I just feel really lucky. But I know that it was more of a case of alignment as opposed to luck. Because as you said, Lexi, earlier, when you really follow your truth, when you really follow the path that is yours, what you are supposed to be doing in this earth plane, in this lifetime, 
the universe moves mountains for you and things start to just fall into place. The right people come into your life. The right things happen. The abundance comes in to protect you as you're transitioning. It just falls into place. And so, you know, what I would want, I know, you know, this is going out to all your lovely listeners and what I would want people to know is just, you know, yes, part of it might seem like luck, but I think really it's a case more of aligning and a lot of hard work that gets you to where you want to get to be. Yes. Everything. Yes. (laughs) Like (laughs) dropping all kinds of truth bombs right now. Um, So going back to all these mistakes that you're saying that you've probably made. um, So whenever you did start out working for yourself, did anything happen that you really weren't prepared for that you wish you would have known prior? Yes. Yes, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) And that was, you know, I was in a very fortunate position where just because of the nature of the work I was doing as a lawyer, I was making six figures by the time I was 27 and I bought a property. I know. So it's all like kind of like, you know, doing this, that and the other. But I wasn't very good with money. I'll be completely honest with you. I didn't come from money. I didn't, I wasn't born, you know, with a silver spoon in my mouth. I'd worked hard, funded myself, everything I achieved. And I think I had this slightly unhealthy relationship with money where I was able to attract it in, but I was also kind of maybe didn't feel like I really deserved it on a really deep level and didn't really know what to do with it or didn't know how to be truly responsible with it. And so I didn't, you know, when you're making a lot of money, you've got to be saving as well. You really do. It's like so important that when money's coming in, that flow's coming in, that you're saving for that rainy day. And what I did save a little bit, but I didn't save enough that when I started my business, yes, I got work straight away and I had some work coming in, but I wasn't getting the kind of double figures that I've been getting before. And I was going down to single digits and the low single digits. And I had to dig into my savings. And six months in, I was sort of running out of you know savings, not making enough and still living a lifestyle that was more aligned with when I was in a stable job where guess what? Someone's giving you a paycheck twice a month. Someone's paying for your health insurance. Someone's you know paying for you towards your pension, your 401k as you call it here. And I hadn't kind of aligned with that. It was just, it was a lack of foresight on my behalf, you know, and it was a lack of planning and it was irresponsibility as well, to be completely honest. I mean, it's not something I'm proud of, but it's the truth. It was, I wasn't responsible. And that was, you know, as any small business owner or anyone that's going in self-employment must know is cash flow is king. You know, yes, you're following your passion, your purpose. No, you don't want to make it all entirely about money, et cetera, et cetera. But we also have to own the fact that we have bills to pay. We have food to put on the table. Some of us have families that we we need to take care of or other things that we need to take care of in our lives. And money is a reality of being self-employed. And especially when we're on this spiritual path, I think a lot of us get a little bit uncomfortable because we feel as though we're helping people or doing something and we kind of feel maybe a little bit of discomfort around the area of money. And I think that that's something that I would advise people to be really mindful of at the outset and also just to like have that little nest egg that can see you through those rainy days when things aren't flowing as much in your business because that's normal and it doesn't mean your business is failing. It just means that just like any big company, you're having a quieter time, right? But you have to provide for that, prepare for it. Right, right. And that brings up such a great point about, you know, I feel like, like you said, people in maybe spiritual businesses or even just creative businesses in general, we just naturally feel like, oh, this is, I would do this for free. So I don't feel comfortable charging people. Um, So how did you combat that? whenever you were dealing with this initial money struggle? Well, I think quite quickly I had a reality check, which was, okay, you need to make a certain amount of money in order to live your lifestyle and do what you're doing. And so then, you know, this was pre my sort of spiritual awakening. So then I just became very commercially minded and I took big contracts and corporate contracts that paid me very well, but ultimately sucked my soul. I think the really interesting time was after that transition and that spiritual awakening, after I'd done the life coaching course and after I had sort of been booted out of the law unceremoniously in a way, and just had that relationship with that old world, that media and entertainment world had ended. And then I found myself in this very, very strange predicament where I really almost felt guilty about charging people 
for helping them. I felt a sense of, you know, it had to do with a lot that was going on spiritually for me at the time. I had some interesting Chiron transits going on, uh, bringing up all those wounds, those self-esteem wounds and trying to turn them into wisdom. But, you know, I, I really had to get over this sense of guilt and understand that my, I had to put a value on my energy and I had to put a monetary value on my time and energy and it was an energy exchange and I wasn't here to give away content for free per se, you know, I mean, I do obviously give now a lot of content for free, whether it's my posting on Instagram or through my podcast, et cetera, et cetera. But I realized that I deserved to receive as much as other people, you know, deserve to receive in, in their way, you know, in one sense, I also deserve to receive. And I kind of got over myself and realized I was playing into kind of a false humility and self-sabotaging and, I realized that you could be wealthy and spiritual and have integrity. And that's the basis of my business because at the end of the day, I'm in a position now with my business where I have several people who are helping me out as freelancers. I'm able to pay them fulfilling their dreams of being self-employed. I'm able to bring on more people. You know, I'm able to grow and growing something that's going to bring more abundance to other people because I allowed myself to receive abundance and it's a kind of win-win domino effect that's going on. And that feels good. And as for me, as long as I built, you know, run things with absolute integrity, I feel very comfortable, you know, in a way that I didn't before about however much I make. It's like, if you want to give me seven figures universe, I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> I can give more to charity. You know, I also do a lot mm -hmm. for charity and it makes me really happy that I'm able to do that. I wouldn't be able to do that if I was struggling to pay my own bills, you know? Right, right. And I think that kind of, you know, that brings up something very interesting about people who are in service-based businesses or people who are in creative businesses where they naturally want to just give and give mm -hmm. and, and be a service to other people. And that's where that money hang up comes from. It's like, mm -hmm. I can't charge someone that I'm helping. Mm -hmm. But if, if they could realize that, Hey, if I have the money, if, if mm -hmm. I actually charge someone for this service, first of all, they they are getting helped. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Which is what I want. But then I can turn around and put that money to something else that's helping other people in another mm -hmm. way. So you I said it. Yeah, I know. But you said it yeah, so well. It's just you know, look, there's a time where, you know, you maybe swap services, right? Or you do things for energy exchanges or whatever. And I think that there's a lot of that that goes on in the creative and spiritual industries. And I think that that can be beneficial as well. There's a time and a place for giving things away for free, for putting effort into, you know, when I post on Instagram, I'm not posting to get more followers or likes or this, that, and the other. I'm posting because there's a little community there and it's one that I feel deeply connected to in my heart and I want to share with them. You know, I want to give to them and I want to lift people's spirits and, and do that. But when I look at my time ratio management of sort of how much time I'm putting into that, I'm also like realistic enough to sort of say, well, there's this that I do in this way. There's this that I do as energy exchanges. You know, sometimes people get my help and they're not paying for it. It's like an, we do an exchange of services and they do something for me. I do something for them. It's like, it feels very mutual and beneficial, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's also, you know, the, the actual business side of things and the time and effort and energy that goes into that, which is a very direct financial exchange, you know, that somebody pays for something and they get something and it's very, very black and white. And again, I think for a lot of people, it's about boundaries and having really firm boundaries in place and knowing that you can change your mind. You can offer something for free and then also decide that actually you put enough of a value on your time and energy that's going into that, that you actually do want to receive something back. You can't just be giving, 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 giving and not receiving back because that's not a flow of energy, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how, do you have your own boundaries that you have, um, you know, put in place to help you decide, okay, this, this is an appropriate exchange of energy versus, okay, we actually need some financial exchange. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, I, I, I go for each case and each situation 
on a case by case basis, right? So for example, I've had people come intern for me before and I'm not someone that's like, oh, come and intern for me and I'm not gonna give you anything. I just, I don't like that. It doesn't feel good to me. I like to have an exchange of energy. So I would give them the odd reading or I would give them the odd coaching session. And then when it's come to like an end of the internship or we've renewed it on that basis, or it's come to a point where I felt like actually that's something I'm very happy to pay for. And now I can pay for it. I've started to pay them for that. And we've come up with, you know, uh, uh, a reasonable fee that, that's, that's affordable for me, that feels good to them. And we've, we've moved on to that level. So it's really a case by case. I mean, I kind of am somebody that likes to test the water. And I like to test the water before I make a big financial commitment because it's, you know, I like to know what I'm going to get. And I like to know that the person can deliver in a sense when I'm doing exchanges. And then I like to build that relationship of trust and mutual reciprocity. And then it kind of moves on to that next level, you know, of something like that. And equally, just, you know, coming back to sort of how I spend my time and energy, there was a time, I'll be completely honest, and I think this really does happen in the wellness world. And I will just be honest that it certainly happened to me where I became a bit obsessive about Instagram. I thought that I had to have a certain amount of followers, but I had to post pictures of myself, which, you know, I'll be honest with you, it's not really my gig to post a lot of pictures of myself. I'm quite a private person, et cetera, et cetera. And I also just think there's enough of that online, you know, whatever. Um, and I, I, I went through this, you know, I was listening to the advice of this lady who was kind of coming on board as a bit of a manager and some other branding person. And I went against my own intuition, big mistake and big lesson rather, rather than mistake. And I basically started posting way more and started really looking at that as though that was in some way the thing that was going to be a indicator of my value and, and my worth and my kind of, you know, if I've not got extra Instagram followers or if this isn't happening or I only get this many likes and it means... And, I actually reset my entire Instagram after a month of doing that experiment because I was kind of grossed out. <laughs> and I actually just was like, nope, I'm doing things my way. I took two or three weeks off. My assistant at the time cleaned my entire Instagram and I started again. And now I post and I love it, but I have this healthier relationship where I'm not bothered by what it looks like to other people in the online world or the wellness world, because I think there is a lot of kind of like wellness celebrity kind of stuff going on, which is totally fine. Um, but I kind of looked at that and went, I'm not playing that game anymore. I'm in my own lane. I like who's following me. We have a high engagement. I really feel connected to them. And if more people come, awesome, you know, but if it stays the same and it stays this really cute, tight, connected community, where I actually recognize people's handles and I'm having a conversation and I feel like I'm rooting for them and they're rooting, cheering me back on and sending some love my way. That's all I really want from it, you know, is that. And of course I shout out, oh, okay, I've got a sound bath or, hey, I've got my soul astrology membership or, hey, there's like a latest episode of a podcast out or whatever, but I'm not putting so much energy into that in a way that I feel that, that defines me. What happens in private what my reality is, is what defines me now. And I think that was a really big, big, big lesson to go on because I think unfortunately with the evolution of social media, people sometimes can find themselves really lost in this trap of thinking that what, they are not adding worth when they are. They're just not looking at what's right in front of them and are looking at something that is so random and often so false you know, people buying followers and doing this, that, and the other, that they look at that to define them rather than who is around them, who's listening to their words, who is appreciating them. And I really encourage everyone to not fall down that trap because I fell down it, hands up, I fell down it. And it wasn't very nice at all to fall down. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, um, and I think you know this because we've talked about it a little bit, but I am, I'm falling down that hole a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm recognizing it. I'm trying to like pull myself out of it and then I get sucked back in. It's, it's a vicious game. It is a vicious game, Lexi. And you know, for me, um, I know deep down, I, I kind of got to know you through our mentorship and through being friends since and having you as a sociology com contributor. And I think I kind of get a really good feel for who you are. And that's not really your truth, you know, to fall down that, that thing. I can tell you're just way more grounded than that. And um, what I would say to you is, is neither was it my truth, but the reality is, is that unless we, that 
that little app is an addiction and unless we really are so careful as to how we use it we can fall down this horrible slippery slope and so for me you know I'm I'm just being honest with you like some people might go oh how weak she doesn't have the self-control to so she has to take it off her phone I will take that app off for three days a week it is off my phone so that I do not even randomly scroll because guess what? You know, you're in the queue at Starbucks, you're in a line somewhere else, or you're in the car in traffic and you just go and scroll, 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 or you're making, waiting for the kettle to boil, you scroll, scroll, scroll. I don't want to do that for about three days a, you know, a week. I want it to be off. I want to be present with my family. I want to be present at home. I want to be present with my friends and present to like what's happening right now. So I actually think not having it on your phone a few days a week and planning your posts a little bit can mean that you can all doing what I did today. I, I did three posts in the morning and I logged out and I won't look at it until probably tomorrow morning. Maybe I'll log in quickly later, but probably not. You know, I'll probably log in tomorrow morning and answer people and share something, you know, share, share some information on my stories, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think it's about it's not us, it's that we are that is designed to make us be addicted and to compare. And I think that we have to have an enormous amount of self-control and boundaries so that we have a really healthy relationship with it and so that it serves us and serves who we're feeding rather than making us feel like crap about ourselves because that's just unnecessary. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you said earlier that whenever you were in the trap, that was kind of how you were getting your value. Like yeah, your personal value. So now that you have been able to transition away from that, mm. where are you really getting your value from? It's so such an amazing question to ask and so on point because what I realized is I was, you know, putting all this value and definition into trying to get more Instagram followers or trying to be more seen on that platform and not looking at what was right in front of me, which was my soul astrology community, which is a community of people who, you know, are engaging in an energy exchange. They are paying, you know, a couple of cups of coffee a month to be part of my community, to get assistance, to get support, to read these exclusive blogs, to receive my sound bars and meditations. And I realized like, Hey, let me engage a bit more with these guys. And I started to engage. We have a little private Facebook group, Facebook group. And I started to engage more with them. I started to really enjoy it. And it's interesting since I did that, my, my membership grew organically And I think it grew because I was watering it. You know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't kind of looking outside of myself to something and like, oh, I need to have this many thousand followers to to, to feel like I'm I'm of service. I'm already serving hundreds of people and hundreds of people are connected to me and they're actually engaging in an energy exchange. Let me water what's here, you know? And Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that the Instagram community, just because those people maybe aren't members or whatever, they're still part of a community, but... I don't want to be playing that game. And I think that the, the difference has come is, is that I now feel like I feel very grounded. I feel like I'm every way I'm operating really serves me and others. And I just feel like I have a much healthier relationship with, with my phone, with social media and with myself and with the people that I am serving. That it's is amazing. Like more genuine connection from the community yeah. website, whereas Instagram you want that, but there are just so many people there that maybe you can't have that with everybody. Absolutely. And also it's, it's, no, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, there's a community there that I have that are engaging in an energy exchange. Why am I not feeding that and, and spending the time with that? And rather than worrying about the, these stupid things like likes and comments and this, that, and the other. And when I do then, but, but, you know, again, I don't want to sort of like write off the Instagram community that I have because I, I love so many of them. Like I recognize that when they at me at something, I remember what's going on with them, but it's just different. It's like, it's like, I don't need to be also, you know, I can still engage with them, but I have to remember to water what, what is. It's like, it's like you don't bite the hand that feeds you. You kiss the hand that feeds you, right? It's, it, it felt like that. Um, and, and things just feel very authentic now. And I also don't feel like I am trying to be somebody that I'm not. You know, for some people to go down a certain road and to be and act in a certain way feels, feels right. And I'm not criticizing that or, or commenting on that. That's right for them. But I'm not someone 
Like, I don't want people looking at me and going, oh my God, I want her life, right? I do not want that. I don't want them idolizing me. I don't want them putting me on a pedestal. I want my words to lift them, to inspire them, to educate them, to motivate them. I want my memes to give them a giggle when they're having a rubbish day. And I want them to see, when I do share little snippets from my own life, I want them to see that, you know, you can achieve things against the odds. And if I've done it, then you can do it too. And that's the only time I'm kind of prepared to talk about my private life because I'm private. But I think there's enough of, you know, this crazy world of looking at people and being jealous or, 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 or craving what they've got and it not being real. Whereas I know, like, you know, not to sort of toot my own horn, but I think I have a blessed life. I really, really am so grateful for it. But it's pretty, pretty just normal, you know, in a really sweet way. It's like a very normal, grounded, happy, behind the scenes life. But it's not something that I need to kind of go, here's, here's us doing this and here's me doing this. And oh, look how fabulous I look. It's like, no, shush. <laughs> um, but that's just me. You know, I'm also an introvert. So for other people who are extroverted, that is how they share that life. So I'm not criticizing that by any means. I think people have to be true to who they are and the role that they play in serving a bigger community. And my role is to inspire to educate, to give people hope and to make them giggle. <laughs> yeah, I believe you definitely achieve all of those things. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, then there I know I'm fulfilled, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that I really see you do share about your personal life is mostly about your self-care habits um, more than anything else like personally related to you. So can you talk to us a little bit about those self-care techniques that you have and how yeah. it's played a role? So, you know, if you are any, anyone listening, whether you're self-employed, own your own business or not, we all need self-care and self-care doesn't have to cost us hundreds of dollars and it doesn't have to take up huge amounts of our times. It is as simple as turning our phones off, not looking at it first thing in the morning, allowing ourselves time to journal, allowing ourselves that walk in the park, that coffee with a friend, whatever it is. And for me, self-care has to be daily. It's like every single day I'm doing something that serves my mind, body or soul. And, you know, I'm not always good at this. I will be honest. There's times that I slip because I'm human, just like everyone else. But I really find that when I, what I do when I wake up impacts my entire day. And when I wake up, and look at my phone first thing in the morning, I feel overwhelmed, I feel angsty, I feel anxious, or if I go end up making the mistake of going onto Instagram and scrolling, it just, it, it sets my day off on the wrong note. Whereas when I wake up, make my cup of tea, um, you know, sit and journal for a few minutes, uh, 20 minutes or so, I just kind of like brain dump and write, do my morning pages or meditate, or just have a cup of tea and even talk to my husband and just, you know, kind of like have that connection. And then go and deal with emails, answering text messages, doing posts, dealing with work stuff. I just feel so much. I, I feel like it gives me this little bit of time that I'm not having my head clouded by the noise of the world. And instead, I'm choosing the consciousness and the energy that is going to start my day off. So that self-care is very important. And then the other things for me is, you know, I know it sounds like a bit boring and whatever, but baths. Like I find a bath the biggest luxury in the world. There's just something, you know, and it, we don't, it's so easy. I mean, unless you don't have a bath and that's happened to me before, which was a bummer. But, um, you know, I lived somewhere without a bath and I was just like, no, uh, I didn't last very long. Um, but, you know, having a bath is such an easy way of meditating in a sense, not because you read a book, you drink a cup of tea, you just, you know, maybe you are on your iPad or something. Sometimes I like to read articles in there, but you can really just take that time and just be like, this is indulgent, you know, here's a bath, I'm washing away the, the energy of the day, I'm washing away something that's stressing me out, I'm connecting to myself, um, meditating, not everyone's a great meditator, but, you know, through the sound baths I release, I often listen to them if I'm not feeling, there's loads of free guided stuff online, going for a walk for 20 minutes, my hubs and I try to do that every single day, unless it's pouring with rain like it is now, these little tiny things that you do, that give to your mind, your body, or your soul are crucial elements of everyone's day and should be sewn into your day, regardless of if you work and have a full-on job, regardless of if you're a mom and you maybe have little ones to look after. 
to the degree that you can give to yourself is the degree to which you can truly serve other people. And I think we also have to ask ourselves that hard question, which is sometimes self-care isn't lighting a candle and having a bubble bath. Sometimes it's sitting down and saying, I feel like crap. Why? What am I doing that doesn't serve me? Call myself out on my stuff. Like, you know, when I fall out of the routine of morning pages and looking at my, and instead look at my phone first thing in the morning, I feel like shit, to be completely honest. I feel really rubbish. And then after a few days, I'm like, my self-care then is to go, hey, Ambie, stop, enough. You're not practicing what you teach. Get back to it. And it requires a self-discipline that, you know, nope, I'm not looking at that until, you know, maybe an hour into my day. So self-care can mean many different things, but I think ultimately it's giving to yourself on a higher level. I love everything you just said. Um, I feel like your definition of self-care is perfect, but also not a lot of people hold that same definition. Mm. You know, I feel like a lot of people are kind of held on to the idea of baths. Mm. That's self-care. But I love that you are bringing it into the everyday. And it's, it's not like these luxurious things that we can add to our our day it's more about how can we serve ourselves and make us feel more nourished and exactly right it's Mm -hmm. no you hit the nail on the head it's not about luxury you know you see it's and that's another thing another sort of narrative that I really don't think is necessarily very helpful that we're encouraged listen I love nice stuff like my friend got me a bath bomb um and I I used it and it's really nice and you know it costs a little bit of money for the bath bomb like whatever but I, I I don't really prescribe to the narrative that spending a ton of money on yourself is necessarily self-care. Sometimes self-care is not spending the money on yourself and being more mindful with how you are with your money. Sometimes self-care is not running the bath and spending an hour sitting with your emotions and processing them and understanding what the hell is going on on a deeper level and what your ego is messing, you know, how your ego is messing you up. Like self-care is fundamentally about raising your vibration on a mind, body and soul level. And yes, sometimes that is a delicious cup of tea in a bath. But for me, guess what? That is when it's kind of like, oh, I've been working really hard and I could do with a little bit of pampering. And a lot of the time, it's the more, more messy stuff that, you know, the more less kind of like, oh, isn't this comfortable? And forcing myself to, I don't always feel like exercising, but I know when I go to yoga, I feel so much better because I'm in a moving meditation for an hour. So going to yoga, going on that hike and getting out in nature and just being disconnected from everything apart from like earth, like the planet itself, you know, and like all beings on earth. It's like all of that kind of stuff. So I think that, you know, I hope that people who are listening know that number one, self-care can take many different forms. But, you know, secondly, that you don't need to be doing all these extravagant things to be indulging in self-care because guess what? I've seen the other side of the coin, which is people who are doing all of those things and are not nourished. So it doesn't always mean you do that and it means this. You have to find what's working for you and you have to know that this isn't about necessarily, you know, these huge indulgences or luxuries, but it's just about really tuning in and listening to what your mind, body, your soul needs for elevation. I've heard people talk about boring self-care and I kind of like that as a concept too. Like I need to make a dentist appointment, self-care. Like I might not want to make that dentist appointment, (laughs) but I'm going to, or whatever, or I don't know, taking care of that nagging task that's been weighing on you for a week. Yes. Boring self-care. Yes. I love boring self-care. You know, yeah. Those are the jobs that, you know, when I clean that, and by the way, I have this box I was looking at before I got on the call with you guys, but there's this box of photographs that I really need to put to, you know, it, it's my family. It's like, and I live 5,000 miles away from them. And I want to put those photos in an album and get some of them blown up and framed. And when I do that, and we've actually, four months after moving, got more pictures of our family up on the walls, that's going to be an act of self-care and self-love, right? But it's just like, that requires not being distracted, not wasting my time on a phone or on a TV show for an hour or two, and actually going through them, going down to the Photoshop and doing that. So you're absolutely right. Like dentist appointments, doctor's appointments, looking after your body, going and sometimes making the effort to go to the grocery store when you really don't want to, because it means you're going to have the fresh stuff to eat that's going to be better for you etc etc so 
yes, it, it's not all pink, fluffy, you know, candles and not that candles are fluffy, but <laughs> pillows <laughs> and candles and, and bubble baths and these beautiful images, which we all love to look at. But it's just, it's become a bit like I kind of eye roll now when I see it on, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, jeepers, someone else has got a picture from Pinterest and done self-care Sundays, like whoopee, you know, <laughs> like really? All right. What about the self-care that some poor soul is doing that is really painful and just like, okay, I need to feng shui myself from my previous relationship and throw out all the stuff and archive and maybe clean out the, the messages. That's self-care. It's not as pretty, but that's probably going to do more for them than buying into this thing of like, oh, isn't that a pretty scene? And let me just light a nice bath and post a picture of it and go, oh, I'm indulging in self-care. Not if you sat on your phone for the whole time through it, comparing yourself to others, right? It's mm -hmm. then it's like contrary to that. So there's a lot of there's a lot of hypocrisies that we need to watch out for, I think, when we're in the wellness world. As in, maybe that's a whole nother podcast episode, but I think that there is a lot of that that needs to be watched out for. And again, I don't want to sound like I'm slagging, you know, the world. I think it's amazing, but I think like with everything, things lose their integrity when they become mass, mass spread. And I think that that's why, you know, be careful who your teachers are, be careful who you follow, be careful who you look to for advice and make sure it's really aligned with who you want to be and what resonates with you. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've seen the trend where, you know, obviously a, a lot of us have accepted the fact that social media is a form of numbing out mm -hmm. and that that's something that we need to keep a check on, but kind of what you're thinking or what you're talking about is making me make the connection that maybe this standardized self-care of all this luxurious stuff and how much money can you spend on yourself is another form of numbing out because it kind of feels like, Oh, I, I gave myself a bubble bath today. So I'm, I'm good. I'm nourished. But yet there's still something in the back of their heads that they're not working through. That's a real emotional thing that needs to be digested and worked through for them to actually feel nourished. Uh, you, you hit the nail on the head, you know, I mean, you really did. And I think that it's, uh, I, I use, I live in Los Angeles, which is the Mecca of this kind of, you know, world. And it's a, it's a crazy town. I mean, it's got great things about it. It's a crazy town, but I always, I'm, I'm always fascinated when I go to the Whole Foods, you know, and it's like a, cra a crazy busy Whole Foods in the parking lot. And I'm looking at these people who are way, you know, very glamorous a lot of the time. They look, you know, they're wearing the best casual clothes you can imagine. They look perfect they look whatever and they're buying their green juices and they're eating their organic food and they've probably done like two exercise classes that day and then you see them in the parking lot and you see how they interact with another driver or with another person and I'm just like all right you can drink all the green juice in the world you can be as good looking it doesn't matter but if you haven't sorted out that shit inside and that makes you like I don't care who you pretend to be I care who you are because if you, you know, if you're really meditating and doing stuff and being mindful, then guess what? Sometimes when you're living in a crowded city, the parking lot can be a nightmare, right? But am I going to steal someone's space? I'm not going to steal someone's space. That's an arsehole thing to do, right? And it's just like, it's just like that. It's that kind of, you know, don't just do the stuff that is ticking a superficial box. Do the stuff on the inside because it's the stuff on the inside that ultimately really counts. And I think that's why I really love the example you said of, you know, someone ticks it off their box and goes, well, I did a self-care, I did a bubble bath today, or I went to a yoga class. But who are you after the yoga class? Who are you after the bubble bath? Are you fundamentally moved and changed in a way? If not, then maybe you need to like not do that and sit down with yourself quietly. I think people can become self-care and wellness junkies, by the way, which is just another, it's just another addiction and it's another numbing. Like that's what I loved about what you said, Lexi, is the numbingness of it all. Just like, oh, done that without really feeling it. Right, right. So the other thing that we like to talk about on this podcast is about spirituality. And when speaking with you, it's kind of a different subject because spirituality and business are so entwined. So can you just tell us a little bit about, about your spiritual practices and maybe how they have, I guess, obviously informed um, what you do for a living? Yeah, you know, it's, I've had a very strange spiritual path of 
the, the traditional self-help books and personal development and life coaching and then the really esoteric kind of woo-woo Kabbalah. I studied for seven years. I traveled all around the world to these holy sites. I connected with dead rabbis. I mean, I've been on some, you know, my, my, I was born Hindu, half Hindu, half Catholic. Like I've had a very strange upbringing in all senses of like different teachings, different modalities. But fundamentally to me, all of them is the core is, you know, we are here to become a better version of ourselves and we are here to get the, out of our own way. And we are here to, in some way, be of service to society and raise the elevate in, in our own unique way, whatever it is, maybe somebody's a tech designer and an app designer, it's that, that, that is their way of raising the vibration. But each of us has a role to play in the elevation of society and humanity. And each of our jobs is not only to tap into that role and, and to, to fulfill it, but also to get out of our own way, to get moved through our own ugliness. And so for me, that version of spirituality um, is twofold in, in my life and business on, on the personal profit level. It's seeing my own shit, to be completely honest with you, and, and really owning it and seeing it. Um, and that isn't always easy. And it, I don't always do it by myself. There are a couple of I have a shaman who I work with in New Mexico, who I speak to a few times a year. I have another lady who is a kind of hypnotherapist, EFT tapping expert, who I occasionally go and see in Los Angeles and I download and kind of rant to and talk stuff over with and then move through things with. Um, I have, you know, my best friend and my husband are both really good mirrors for me because they will call me out on my shit when I'm doing something or behaving in a certain way. And I appreciate that. So on a personal level, it's about just checking in with myself and seeing like, where's my ego coming in here? Like even going back to that, that sort of, you know, that experience I had last year with that, that whole thing that those people wanted me to do online. Part of why I did it was because I realized that I have, you know, I'm not the most outgoing person. And sometimes I think I had a fear of being seen and that I didn't deserve to be seen. I didn't deserve to post a picture of myself. And I had to see that and sit with it and say, is it because I wasn't, you know, maybe people look at me now and think, oh, she's really pretty or this, that, and the other. Maybe they don't like it's fine. But like some people might think that from a silly photo, but I didn't grow up pretty. I didn't grow up kind of like the cool girl or the whatever. So I had to go back to that way that I'd seen myself and work through some of that and realize that I did deserve to be seen. I do deserve to be able to post a picture of myself if I want to, but I don't need to let that define me and play that game because that's not me, right? So that's just an example of like one thing of where I call myself out on my stuff. In terms of, so personal wise, it is about seeing my own shit and moving through it and making sure it's not getting in the way of me being the best person that I can be and living in the best way. On a business level, it's really about having integrity in my business. And sometimes that is, you know, I'm very funny about if I'm in an energy exchange with someone that like knowing what that energy exchange is, having boundaries around it, making sure that everyone's cool with it. If somebody is invoicing me, I know I can pay them. And I know that I pay them. Like it's almost a joke. It'll be like, I might get an invoice on a Saturday night and we're about to go up to dinner and I'll be like grabbing out my card to pay their invoice. It's just like, I like to treat an act in a way that represents how I want to be treated and acting. And you know, also on a business level, it's just about sort of saying, like we had a brand that came and approached us for the podcast. And my initial thing was no. And then the girl that I was working with, because it was a weight loss thing, and I don't believe in selling weight loss stuff, right? But then the girl that I was working, she was like, yeah, you're right. You know, you shouldn't do that. And then she kind of said, well, maybe because we weren't getting other sponsors and we only got a few other sponsors at the time. And ultimately I made a decision of like, no, and go back to them and tell them no, because it's not aligned because I don't want to sell out in a way that is going to, you know, give me a short term gain of what, like a few hundred bucks for a podcast advert or whatever it is, you know, maybe it would have proved out to be more than that if we did a series, but that isn't aligned. Like that's not the message I'm promoting to people that you need to drink a tea to lose weight. I don't promote that. So why the hell would I? So, you know, on a personal level, it's about making sure that yes, I'm running a for-profit business. There's no, let's be very clear about that. I, that's what I do for a living. But I also take a percentage of everything that I do and give it to different charities. I love doing that. It's like a version of tithing for me. It's something that gives me great satisfaction. I don't shout out about it because I don't want people applauding me for it. I do it because it's the right thing to do. And 
this is one of the first forums that I've actually even shared that on. Um, but also, you know, it's about just making sure and checking in and saying, all right, this might be good for me for the business, but is it really good for the heart of the business? Like, does it really sit with, because it's not just a for-profit business that I'm making. It is a for-profit business that has a big heart and anything I do has to be based on that heart. So that's kind of the way that, you know, I infuse my spiritual path that I walk is one about checking in with myself and it's about a continuing journey of personal development and making sure that I realize, and I always say this, you know, I practice what I teach and I'm always learning. And I think that anyone who says otherwise probably takes themselves a bit too seriously and should probably check in with themselves. Um, and I do think that you, if you're running a conscious business or you're a creative or whatever, it's so important to do the work on yourself because that's going to keep your business cleaner. And don't worry about what it looks like to the outside world. Don't compare or put a marker between, well, this person's doing it like that, so I have to be doing it like that to be successful. Just worry about your little lane and be true to that. Be true to that, that heart of your business. Be true to, to your truth and your personality and stay in your own lane and, and have personal integrity and you'll be good. Well, first of all, Thank you so much for sharing that piece of information that isn't really out there. I feel very honored that you did that on our podcast. Oh, no, well, I think this was the place to do it, right? <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, everything that you just said, I feel like if anybody's listening to this, they really need to sit with, with that and just kind of reevaluate how they're running their business and are they doing it with great integrity and, um, and, and actually back to the point of giving um, to charities, were you able to do that from the start or was that something that you worked towards or tell me a little bit about that because that's kind of something that I've thought about as well. Yeah. Um, so maybe walk someone through that. Yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, when I went on this path of sort of doing, when I went on my spiritual development path, giving back in some kind of a way was key I realized that I had been receiving a lot but not necessarily giving back a lot and so first it came and I wasn't in that much of a position to necessarily do it financially so I volunteered my time you know whether it was at homeless shelters and things I mean homelessness to me is something that really sits with my heart it's something I one day want to really do something about but I have no idea how but I, I knew I had to start small and so that started with working over holiday periods at different shelters that have been test set up temporarily to give these people some love, you know, and to really give back to them. Then it extended into working in, with charities who are working in schools to elevate kids' consciousness because I think it's so important at school that you're not just taught maths and science and history and English and geography, but that you're also taught like, hey, this is why you might be angry with your friend or hey, this is why you should share that toy, et cetera, et cetera. So I really enjoyed that. And I love children, so I just love being around them. And then it went into, you know, I was badly bullied when I was younger. And so I joined my friend's anti-bullying charity and we had a love and kindness curriculum, which we taught to kids in low income areas of Los Angeles. A lot of my friends wouldn't even drive to or go to. And we went there and we did that. And that was like life changing. Then at the same time, I, you know, I was part of the, the Kabbalah Center and they were sort of very big on tithing. Unfortunately, they were very big on tithing to them, um, which, you know, I'm not really sure where all that money went, to be completely honest with you. Um, you know, it just was something that kind of felt a bit like they were kind of getting you to pay for mentoring them, which is fine. But I wish that they'd been a bit more direct about it. But I liked the idea of sort of tithing. And then when I stopped and finished that part of my journey, I really was just like, hey, I can still do this, but I can do it with charities that resonate to me. And I've traditionally picked smaller charities or GoFundMes that I've done a bit of research on because I feel like a lot of smaller charities, 80% of what you actually donate is going towards the cause. And to me, that's like, to know that I might have paid for a kid to eat or that I might have you know, paid for somebody to have clothes, it makes me feel so good and you know i also think that every little helps right so you know no sometimes it wasn't like a big thing it might be like i made 150 bucks on a reading this was a few you know years ago right so i might have gone and taken 15 dollars from that and said right let me buy three homeless people a snack today 
right? And, and have a conversation with them and do little things. So I think we start small, but it's something that, you know, it just, it feels so good to do it and it feels good to do it, not to, there's a lot of, you know, again, I think people have become so much more socially aware and conscious and a lot of charity stuff is online, but I think it's good to do it just because you really want to do it in your heart. Like some of these GoFundMe accounts, I've done it anonymously. These people don't know who I am. They're never going to know. And I don't know who they are, but I've just read this story and it's brought me to tears. And I'm like, okay, I have my money that I'm going to donate this month. 25 is going to go to you. 25 is going to go to you. you you're going to get 50. Cause I, I'm like, wow, you really need, you don't have a lot of like people donating. And I think that I swear to God, like number one, I think it's just the right way to be a good human being. But secondly, honestly, what you put out there comes back to you. And I have never been as blessed as since I have really given from the heart for the right reasons rather than for how it might, you know what I mean? Like other things I've just given in a way. And now I am more conscious of my time because I don't necessarily want to be wandering around downtown LA in Skid Row. You know, it can be a bit hairy around there with the way that I am right now at the stage of my life. That's not something I necessarily want to be doing, but I want to give financially. So there's other ways of giving. And I just think we can all give and giving to a stranger is like the biggest blessing in the world. I think yes. you're so right that small things can add up too. Cause uh, yeah. I have a few places that I give $5 a month to cause that's yes! like, okay, I can do this. And actually it was around the time that Trump was inaugurated because I was like, oh. Hey, these organizations are really going to need our support more. I don't have a lot to give. I don't have a big charity budget, but it felt really important to me to do that. And it adds up. Yeah. And it adds up, right? It's every little, it's not about, and also we must do what's within our own means. And those $5, imagine there's like hundreds and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that have gone just like you and gone, okay, I can do, you know, whatever. And imagine all that adding up. Like we must never diminish our value or worth, you know, our contribution because it's less we give according to what we have and when I have more I'm going to be giving way more like trust me I'd like to be giving way I look sometimes and I turn around to my husband the other day and I said I want to just be able to fund a freaking charity for an entire year like one of these small charities I can't wait until that that comes into my life that I have the funds to do that which you know what who knows maybe one day some of my things take off and I can actually do that but until then I'm going to be so happy that we made a small donation. When the fires happened, you know, in Los Angeles, when, when the whole Trump thing happened and, you know, ACLU, all these things, it's like, it was so good to just give. And I felt like there was this, we've all woken up and we're realizing how important it is. And again, comes back to that whole thing of, you know, the online world is we must know that what we do, we are, each of us, everyone listening to this, is as valuable as an important, as special and as unique as the next person. It's not, we just have this amazing little role that we each play in this bigger infrastructure and we must not undervalue our contribution and our role just because it doesn't look the same as someone else's. I have to admit, I'm one of those people that's kind of guilty of that, of like, I can't give $200, so I can't give anything. Mm. <laughs> and... So I appreciate your point of view here and it's, it's allowing me to like check myself and see, okay, let's reevaluate my way of thinking on this and yeah. maybe there's something else I could do that I'm just not thinking about. Yeah. And Lexi, I was like you for a while. I was like, I'm not doing it until like, you know, I had these grand visions of I'm going to want it. And then I was just like, Andy, you're way off funding a charity for a year. Why don't you just start with a little bit of donating and a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you know, and it's what you can do in the moment and every little helps, every little helps. So don't worry. I had the same process as you. I think, I think a lot of us do, right? We're just human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we're about to wrap up. Um, so the last question we like to ask people is, um, what are you really excited about right now? You know, I am really excited about life and family life. And I am praying and hoping that my husband and I get to expand from a twosome into a threesome at some point um, with a little person coming along. And I'm so excited to you know, with the blessing of the universe and it's more to at some point going on this journey of motherhood, because I think it's going to bring so much more of a different level of, of, of growth for me. And I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, 
I'm, I'm really ready for that. And so that's kind of the thing that I'm next excited about. And I'm, I'm making space for that. I'm cutting back on work and I'm allowing, you know, this space to know that I don't need to be doing it all. I don't want to have it all at the same time. Um, and so I'm just excited to see where that intention and that goal that we, we, we definitely have now that I'm making space for it, but hopefully it's going to actually happen. <laughs> so I'll have to keep everyone posted on that, but I'm, I'm really excited at the prospect of being a mummy one day. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, as a cancer, I love that answer. <laughs> I know. You so does my quadruple cancerian husband. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, are there any final words that you would like to share with the listeners? No, you know, um, just I hope, I think I've shared a lot, but you know, Lexi, I mean, I don't know Rebecca as well, but I want to say to you, like, I am so, without meaning sound condescending or cheesy or anything, I hope I don't sound like, I'm so proud of you. Like, it's awesome to see you doing the stuff you're doing. When I heard that you were going to do a podcast, I was just like, go girl. And I just, you know, I'm one of these people that I just love seeing other people step into their own light and their own power and do that and it just I've seen you just you know it's just amazing to see you doing this and I am going to be telling everyone about your podcast and I can't wait to listen to other interviews and I'm just really happy for you and I hope that people listening know from our journey together that you know it was maybe teacher and student whatever and now it's kind of like we're on this path together you know we're sharing our own insights and our kind of things and I think that's really cool because I just I just think that's really cool so go you guys (laughs) thank you (laughs) all righty speak to you soon if you enjoy this podcast please subscribe on the podcast app of your choice leave a rating and review on itunes or share with a friend or if you really love it you can support the making of this podcast by becoming a patron on patreon for exclusive content you can find us on instagram and facebook at being a whole person we'd love to connect with you thanks for listening